0: Hello, and welcome to episode 49 of the Bible Q&A with Pastor Stephen. My name is Stephen Pace, and I'm the senior pastor at Decatur Bible Church in Decatur, Michigan. On this podcast, I attempt to answer Bible questions in a clear but thorough manner. If you have a Bible-related question that you'd like me to consider for a future episode, you can email me your question to Pastor Stephen DBC at gmail.com Again, if you have a Bible related question that you'd like me to consider for a future episode, just email me the question to pastor s t e v e n d b c at gmail.com Now, on this episode, we're going to be looking at part 2 of our series that I started last time on the millennium So get your Bibles out and let's get started. So in the previous episode, which is episode 48 in the Bible Q&A with Pastor Stephen, we began a series, as I said a few minutes ago, on the Millennium. And the approach to it is to try to answer it in a question format. So in episode 48, and I encourage you to go back and listen to it if you haven't already, But essentially what I do is we look at answering the question, what is the millennium? Obviously, in order to study it, we need to know what it is and uh, what the reference is. And if you go back and listen to it, what you'll find is that when we refer to the millennium, we're referring to after Jesus' second coming, him establishing his kingdom here on earth. I'm going to read to you um, a definition of it and this is the definition that we used last time. Now the first definition that we used last time was from Evans' book, The Great Doctrines of the Bible. And Evans writes that that the millennium is the, quote, thousand years during which Christ is to rule the world. So you'll see the emphasis primarily on the aspect of the time period, a 1,000 years, and Evans makes the statement that it is referring to Christ ruling the earth. The second one that I use comes from Charles Ryrie's a Survey of Bible Doctrine, and you'll see the similarities, um, but I appreciate Ryrie's additional wording here. He says, quote, The Millennial Kingdom is that period of a 1,000 years during which our Lord Jesus Christ will rule the earth in righteousness and will fulfill to the Jews and the world those promises of the Old Testament covenants. So Ryrie and Evans, of course, very similar, focusing on the time period of the millennial kingdom, of course, Thousand, but also that it refers to Christ's rule and reign on the earth. So when we looked at, again, what is the millennium, of course the title of the series, Millennium, we know comes from the Latin phrase, mille, which means thousand, and annie, you think of anniversary as year, so a thousand years. And I made the case for using Revelation 20, verses 1 through 6, that while many well-meaning Christians sometimes prefer to use the millennium as just sort of a long, unknown period of time. I made the case that it should be instead seen as a literal period of time. Of course, as I said, Revelation 20 verses 1 through 6 mentions the phrase a thousand years six times, and to contrast that with one time, there is the reference to a little while, so I think that in that case, as I mentioned last time, and I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it if you haven't already, but essentially we should take Revelation 20 verses 1 through 6, the six references to a thousand years, we should take it as a literal period of time versus just a unknown lengthy period of time. Now, on this podcast, we're going to look at our next question in our study on the millennium. And we're going to look at when is the millennium. Now, if you know eschatology and you've listened to the previous podcast as well as the earlier portion of this one, of course, you can tell uh, my view on when the millennium occurs. But since we're studying it, I do think it's helpful to examine uh, in brief the three main views or interpretations of the millennium. Because I think it helps have a better understanding uh, as we encounter some of these terms. So let's start with the first one. And the first one would be amillennialism. If you're taking notes, a meaning a, and then millennial or millennialism. So it just has the prefix of the letter A. And when I think of that, I just think of a meaning the negation, no, no millennial. Now, unfortunately, though, that could be misunderstood. So essentially what all millennialism would be saying is that there will be no literal reign of Jesus on the earth. Uh, an all millennialist would see Jesus reigning through the church and believers primarily in a spiritual sense rather than a literal one. Uh, The literal one being the one that I've referred to so far. Uh, I'm going to read this definition from Ryrie's Basic Theology on Amillennialism. He says, quote, Amillennialism is the view that holds that there will be no millennium before the end of the earth or the end of the world and that teaches a parallel development of good and evil until the end. So essentially what you have there when you run across amillennialism, and it should be noted too, when we go through these three, there's going to be some variants of them, but I think the basic understanding of them does help, and as Ryrie says, again, uh, they're not looking for an a not only a literal kingdom, uh, they see Jesus as just simply coming back uh, at some point in time in the future. So, a little bit different than obviously what I have been uh, portraying earlier. Uh, the next major view after all millennialism is what's called postmillennialism. Now, again, if you just listen to the prefix, and you probably will encounter all three of these if you study um, eschatology, you will. In particular, sometimes in study Bibles. So hopefully this will help. But if you just pay attention to the prefix, post. So what is that? Well, that would be the idea that I like to say the world will slowly be Christianized, then Jesus returns. I'm going to read from Ryrie's basic theology on this. Postmillennialism is the kingdom is now being extended, "...in the world by the preaching of the gospel so that the world will be Christianized for a millennial time after which Christ will return." And that's a really good, helpful definition there. He's very thorough uh, but concise. Notice Ryrie is speaking of that a person who holds to post-millennialism would see that the gospel would be spread to the ends of the earth. But in particular, what that is referencing, meaning that the post-millennialist would be saying that the world will become Christianized, then Jesus returns. And the issue with this, in many cases, is, as Ryrie says, for a millennial time. Uh, I appreciate him including that, because, again, the question is, well, how and when would anyone know the world is Christianized. How long does it have to be? Is it a long period of time? Is it for a thousand years? Uh, so definitely a difficult um, interpretation of the millennium uh, is postmillennialism. So we've covered all millennialism again just at a high level. All meaning no, that would be sort of the idea of no literal kingdom. No kingdom where Jesus rules on the earth. Uh, Typically it's more of a spiritualized kingdom than a literal one. Then you have post-millennialism, the idea of the world being Christianized for a millennial time, as Ryrie says, then Jesus returns. It's almost with that one as though the church establishes and Christianizes the world, and then Jesus just sort of comes back. So um, that one is on the less used views, whereas millennialism is quite free, uh, frequent uh, in terms of belief there. So again, that's sort of the high level of those two. And then the third one um, is premillennial, which is the view that I take. And you can tell again by the prefix, when does Jesus return? Well, if it's the millennials, they would say that Jesus doesn't have a literal reign on the earth. A postmillennialism person would say Jesus comes back at the end of the millennium. A premillennialist would say, in effect, that after the seven-year tribulation, Jesus returns and establishes that thousand-year reign on the earth, which is the view that I hold. Uh, so you can see there the differences um, staying with. Ryrie's basic theology, he defines premillennialism as the second coming of Christ will be followed by the establishment of his kingdom on earth for a thousand years. So when you look at the three main views, essentially what you have is if you just simply take the word millennium, which is a thousand years, and you say a millennial, you're just saying that there won't be a literal reign on the earth. Um, Typically it's seen more of the church ruling in the believers spiritually. Um, That one is actually a fairly popular one if you think of um, in Roman Catholicism and there's others that hold to that. Uh, Postmillennial, definitely the least of the three in terms of popularity and usage. Postmillennialism would see the the earth being Christianized uh, and then Jesus coming back. Um, I think there's a lot of issues with that on my end because the scripture teaches that the world gets worse, then Jesus comes back. Um, And so this one has always been problematic for me. But then third is premillennialism, which is the view that I hold and the view that the church that I pastor at, Decatur Bible Church, holds to, which is that after the tribulation, Jesus literally returns, he literally establishes his rule on the earth, and it's for a literal thousand-year period of time. Uh, And so that would be premillennialism and the understanding of that one. Now, I would qualify all of this by saying that obviously salvation is not contingent on one's eschatology. So you do have people that have trusted in by faith alone and Christ alone, and of course have a different view of eschatology. But obviously eschatology is a very important subject, uh, considering how much of the Bible uh, it does cover, some 25 odd percent. Now before we move on The the view, again, that I am articulating in this study is premillennialism. So just at a high level, if you think of this conceptually, how does all this work? Well, if you imagine a timeline going from left to right, you have, of course, the ascension and then the establishment of the church, Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. And you have sometimes that reference as to the church age, some call it the age of grace, um, those sorts of uh, references. But the, but the point is we have, of course, from Jesus' ascension and then the uh, experience there at Pentecost, the establishment of the church. We have that going forward on a timeline if you imagine in your head from left to right until the rapture occurs the rapture is jesus's return for the bride of christ in an unknown period of time in a moment in a twinkling of the eye then after the rapture there is going to be in the future a seven-year tribulation period now there will probably be some obvious period between the rapture and the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. Uh, Why do I say that? Well, the seven-year tribulation, we know, and where we get the time period of seven years from actually comes from the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel, chapter 9 in particular, uh, those verses 24 through 27, give us the 70th week prophecy. So we've already seen the fulfillment of the 69 weeks. We're waiting on the 70th one, the 70th one being seven years. We know that the tribulation will start when the Antichrist signs the covenant or sometimes referred to as peace treaty. So we'll have the rapture of the church, and then there'll be, I like to call it an unknown period of time between the rapture And the beginning of that tribulation, we don't know exactly when the Antichrist will sign that. But once he does, it will, if you will like to say, trigger or start the clock on the final 70th week of Daniel, which is the seven years. At the end of the seven year tribulation, according to Revelation 19 verses 11 through 21, you have the literal second coming of Jesus. And then afterwards, we find in Revelation 20, verses 1 through 6, which we looked at in a little bit more detail previously. Uh, In the previous episode, we have the beginning of the thousand-year millennial kingdom, which will finally, at the end of that, God will allow Satan to come out one last time to try to, if you will, deceive the nations and such. But that doesn't last long, and Jesus once and for all puts an end to that rebellion, and then we have the what we think of as new heavens and new earth, the eternal state. So at a high level, that's sort of the idea of the future events and the way in which I teach them. They're premillennial, uh, from my viewpoint, pre-tribulation for the rapture. Now the question is, before we finish. When is the millennium? Well, I've already shown you premillennialism. A few things to consider here with this. Uh, Obviously, it's not a full-on case for it, but a few things to consider before we finish. One is that premillennialism was the view of the early church until the 3rd century. Uh, Once the 3rd century rolled around, uh, you begin with the all-millennial spiritualizing of the Bible rather than a literal reading of it. I also think that premillennialism is just a natural, literal reading of it. Um, I like to think of it this way. If you didn't know anything about eschatology, and you just simply read the book of Revelation, and you just simply were explained what the events are, uh, I believe you'd arrive at a premillennial view. I think you'd arrive at, and naturally, what happens in Revelation 19 and 20, Well, exactly what it says. Jesus comes back from heaven and he binds Satan for a thousand years and establishes his kingdom. So I just think the natural reading of it um, obviously would make sense why the early church held to that so strongly. I'd also, again, I mentioned this last time, is that the millennium is supposed to be a time when Satan is imprisoned. Whereas now he roams the earth Uh, this one is always of course difficult for someone who holds to something other than premillennialism Uh, and i reference this this is first peter 5 8. peter writes be sober of spirit be on alert your adversary the devil prowls around like a lion seeking someone to devour and again satan is of course deceiving the nations now. He devours people, seeks to destroy them now. During the millennium he'll be bound for a thousand years, according to Revelation twenty. I also would say with this in closing, which is that God always fulfills his promises, and time never negates, alters, removes his promises. In Acts chapter one, verses six through seven, the Disciples asked Jesus again, now are you going to establish your millennial kingdom? And that's Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. And Jesus says, it's not the right time yet. He doesn't say no, he just says, it's not the right time. Uh, When God's time comes, it will be the right time. But in the meantime, they were to take, just as the churches today, take the gospel to the ends of the earth. They were thinking in their minds, Second Samuel chapter 7, that one day, seated on the throne of David would be the king, the messianic king who would rule the earth. And so they literally were looking for that. They were looking for a literal kingdom to be established. And I think it's good for us to remember that when God makes a promise, He will fulfill it, but He also fulfills it on His timetable, not ours. And so we can trust that the Lord will do that. Again, just as he says in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 7, now's not the time, but the time will come when Christ returns to establish his millennial kingdom. I'm going to close with this, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. O Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Next time, we will pick up, having looked at now what is and when is the millennium, we're going to look at some of the characteristics and conditions of the millennium, and I think this gives further case for the fact that the millennium hasn't come, but most certainly will in God's time. Until then, God bless.